What's up, everybody? We back. R2C2. Another week. What's good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Took a little week off last week, but we back with um, what I think is going to be uh, a delightful and timely listen for our audience because NBA free agency begins Thursday at 6 p.m. This podcast releases Thursday morning. And people are going to hear a very timely discussion with Bobby Marks, NBA front office insider, former assistant GM with the Nets, worked for two decades in NBA front offices. And Bobby's just amazing. He has great stories. He gives amazing perspective on what it's like this time of year for free agency. And then also specific commentary around different moves as well. For me and you, I know this was like kid in the candy shop stuff because we love this time of year, see? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think as a fan, an NBA fan, anytime, you know, the draft, free agency, like those two weeks are rolling around, um, you know, you, you start to pay attention because you want to, you know, see who's getting traded, see who's going where. And, you know, this is kind of when, like, the NBA develops all the storylines. Like, I think, you know, the NBA does such a good job of, like, the drama, whether it's, yeah. you know, the Twitter drama with KD or Kyrie and, you know, like, Draymond, like they do a good job of like you know keeping the drama uh, up, up close and, and personal, like a soap opera, and like this is just a part of it. You know what I'm saying? Like you know the free agency period, so it's cool to, to have Bobby on. Oh, I'm super pumped about this conversation. Uh, there'll be plenty of time for us to talk about the on pace for 120 win Yankee team, which is just, dude, it's amazing. Every night they win, it's incredible watching this team right now. Man, they locked yeah. in right now. It, it, it's just the pitching for me, man. Yeah. These guys stay healthy, the pitching stay healthy, and the bullpen stays locked down. I was down there the other day, and I literally forgot about Zach Britton. Like, yeah. I walked in, and Britt was there. I gave him a big hug. I was like, damn, I, like, forgot. I mean, you know, I was so down about losing Chad Green. Um, but the fact that, you know, we have a chance to get Britt back by the beginning of September uh, is, is huge. Huge, huge, huge. So that's good. You could have Britt, Luizaga. Chappie coming back. Well, well, just I mean, for me, it, 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 like the, the, you know, to close out a game. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think in, in the playoffs, you know, having a, you know, having Clay, um, you know, with that sinker to be able to get out righties, and then having Brit sinker too, you know, and and then having Chappie, you know, it just, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth inning, you know, it just. You got shut down guys. You got shut down arms that can pitch in any of those innings, which is great. See, would you be careful with Severino and Nestor's innings here, uh, just given you know, Nestor just never throwing that many and, and Sevy what he's coming off of? Yeah, you got to be careful with both of those guys. You know, I mean, you know, Nestor's never had this type of workload. Um, and, you know, you want Sevy, you know, you want this from Sevy for the next 10 years, you know, yeah, not, yeah. Just this, not just this season. So, uh, yeah, you got to be a little careful. I think I would, you know, Give them a, a a a day off here, here or there. Skip a start or whatever. Um, especially as it's starting to get hot, you know, in July and August. Let yeah. these guys rest their body a little bit, charge them back up in September, and then get ready for the playoff run. Um, see, uh, the uh, there's so many different there's 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 so many different uh, things to dive into uh, when it comes to the NBA drama. We get into it all uh, with Bobby Marks, KD, Kyrie. Uh, Jalen Brunson and the Knicks, um, you know, some of the other, uh, you know, players that could be out there, moves that could be made. Also, Bobby, I think, does a great job explaining certain things that, you know, you hear terms this time. You're like trade exemptions and uh, 
or trade exceptions and mid-level exception, all that. And Bobby just does a great job breaking that all down. Hard cap, sign-in trades. Um, so really looking forward to this. Plus uh, some great stories about uh, failed pursuits of free agents and yeah. the, the chaos of this time of year. So without further ado, here is NBA front office insider and uh, former uh, assistant GM of the Nets. Uh, does a great job uh, with ESPN. Bobby Marks joining R2C2. See, I actually have to say, you know, we, we get excited about all of our podcasts, but I'm particularly giddy about this one, given the man we're talking to and the date that we're talking to him. Yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but Bobby, thank you for doing this at what I am absolutely positive is the most chaotic busy time of year for you we are on on the brink of free agency starting literally this podcast release thursday morning and mm -hmm. thursday night it starts so thank you bobby for doing this man no i appreciate it i'm glad i could find some time i feel like i'm like a doctor scheduling appointments <laughs> today right it's like like I, I was getting so many requests i'm like no i think i can do it two weeks from today you know and stuff and if you can you can just see like so my schedule you can just see it like there's like there's like nine things on it and stuff and and um barring anything breaking news and i think we're if this was tomorrow on um the 30th of june i'd be like yeah it might be a little bit yeah. tight but we can um we can uh we can figure it out i think if Kyrie had not opted in yet i think it would have been i would have probably said that ryan and cc has probably like, I think we need to just yeah. wait. Like, just give me a little bit. Like, can we do it at yeah. midnight? Right. <laughs> oh, I know, man. I, I, I felt the same way. It actually ends up working out perfectly. Go for it, C. No, I was just going to say what's crazy about NBA free agency is that it's already happening now. Like, you know oh, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we get the news on Thursday yeah. night, but, like, it's, everything's already, like, planned out because at 12.01, everybody will start signing. It's, it's, it's awesome. You know, what it, you know what it's like? It's like everyone's saying, well, they're tampering. And I said, well, how many times? If you're doing 30 and a 25 when you're driving, how many times are you going to get pulled <laughs> over? Right? Now, now if, um, if you do, you know, 55 and a 25, you're going to get, um, you're going to get pulled over and everything. So, um it's uh yeah i mean i think you i think that's the only way that you can kind of go about doing you know go about doing your business and stuff is try to line up things now as long as you're not you know we saw last year um the lonzo ball sign and trade was like the first deal that came off the board at like um at uh like six yeah. o'clock right and you know those are as you know those are complicated to do sign and trade so the league is like well wait a minute or kyle lowry the league will look at um the league will look at that, but um, I think you just got to be careful as far as how you go about kind of your business here. As far as you can talk to, you know, you certainly can talk to agents. Certainly if agents have players on your own yeah. team that represent another free agent, you know, you're not going to kind of go in there, but you know, I mean, a good example is like, um, you know, Danilo Gallinari's got a, um, you know, uh, a partial guarantee in his contract. And if, you know, if you're the, um, you know, the Hawks, you're trying to talk to him and his agent as far as maybe you're amending that, or maybe you can use it in a deal or some other things there. So um, you can bend, but, you know, as far as don't, you know, don't break the, the rules yeah, here. It's got to be, <laughs> it's got to be so interesting walking that line because obviously we all know things are getting done because otherwise you wouldn't have the flurry of deals you have at 1201, right? Like they, there has to be conversations happening, but 
And it wouldn't also serve the league for them not to happen because then you wouldn't have the incredible jolt of activity that you do. In this case, you know, 6 p.m. rather than midnight, which, by the way, Bobby, I think that in itself is telling of how aware the league is of itself as an entertainment property. Right. Because rather than making everyone be night owls, hey, you're going to get way more activity and eyeballs, not to mention it's just going to be easier on the executives. Right. Bumping it up to 6 p.m. It used to be. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, well, when I first started here at ESPN, um, it was midnight because we I remember we were um, we, you know, part of our I guess I could say it because I I don't think yeah. I'm breaking any rules. Part of our our agreement as far as, you know, coming from Yahoo, for, yeah. for me at least, was that, you know, we couldn't there was no breaking news until we started our contract, which started on July 1st. And it was uh, at midnight and um, the Paul George trade happened to. He went from Indiana to Oklahoma mm-hmm. city. And so you're just like, kind of like sitting on information, right? You're just, you know, you, you're waiting for the clock to hit midnight, but nowadays, you know, you move it up to um, six o'clock. You have, we move, we've got TV shows centered around it. Um, you know, I think NBA today is going like twice Thursday and Friday for what shows. And it's more of, you know, the entertainment value of, because by, fr- by 4th of July, Unless there's something really that's you know in a holding pattern here, most of the free agency is is all but you know all but done. Yeah, I mean, which is awesome. Like you said, you can just program around it, and it keeps fans engaged. Last week you had the draft, and it just keeps yeah. the momentum throughout the summer of your basketball engagement. And you know, I think that's something that baseball. Me and Ryan always talk about. We look in. I think baseball needs to look into that just to keep their, you know, the momentum going in their offseason and keep fans engaged. Because one of the things we talk about in that regard, Bobby, is like, you know, if we if we were to say to you like, hey, there's this there. Here's a show coming out that you're interested in. Well, when are the episodes going to drop? Well, you know, there could be one on Thursday and then in three weeks you might get one on a Tuesday and then you might get three straight days. It's like it's hard to get excited, whereas, you know. Yeah. If you're like, you either know exactly when things are happening or there's a dump, there's a flurry of like, hey, all of Ozark is out. Boom, I can go binge it. Yeah. Right? Like, I think that's right. where the NBA gets it right. You have this very concentrated period of activity. I know I can engage myself and immerse myself in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only thing though I would probably maybe look into is maybe we reverse doing free agency first and then maybe have the draft. Mm, okay. So it kind of like almost like the NFL does it yeah. that way. Um where and then the other thing too is that and it, just from being involved in the draft for I guess for five years now, um, the night of the draft gets confusing for people who are watching it on TV. Mm-hmm. Who's getting traded? Who's got what team? Had you know is is Jalen Duran going to the Knicks? Is he going to Charlotte? Is he going to Detroit? So and the the NBA is so reluctant on announcing trades until they become official, until they go through the legal process here and. The night of the the night of the draft, what happens is you're still operating under the old calendar year, right? So calendar year goes July 1 to June 30, the new calendar year starts. So if you have a trade that you can't do until July 6th, then it's not going to be announced officially here. So I think just to set for the sake of like, like, you know, just cleaning up the process, you would love to see trades being announced. If you're a viewer yeah. at home, where who's going where? Like, like the year that um that Anthony Davis was traded to uh, from New Orleans to the Lakers, like that draft was so confusing because like DeAndre Hunter 
basically had like four different hats, right? <laughs> I, got a, I, got a, I got a Pelicans hat. I got a Lakers hat. I got a Hawks hat, right? Mikhail Bridges is the same thing. I had a Sixer hat. Now I got a Suns hat, right? So it just gets a little bit, you know, I think it gets a little bit, you know, the NFL is different because there's not many, rarely do you see trades that are involving players. Right. It's more about the picks and everything. We're here. The NBA is a little more player uh, player centric. Do you think Bobby would flipping the order solve for that if you just had free agency first? I think flipping. I think moving the cal- adjusting the calendar year that so the draft happens during the new calendar okay. year, okay. and not kind of on the back end. I think maybe I think it's just a matter of just kind of adjusting your adjusting the dates. Got you. Um, there's so many things uh, to dive into to with you, whether it's like some specific things that have happened or could be on the brink of happening. And then just, you know, the general perspective and experience that you had being in, you know, an NBA front office for, you know, two decades. And, and now obviously in the role that you're in now with ESPN, I, I guess because you just mentioned it, and this might be a, a little niche, but it's so interesting to me, sign and trade scenarios, right? Like you, you mm. were someone who, who was a, a, a one of one of your skill sets was being a capologist, so to speak, right? So you're trying to figure out all the financial aspects of making something work. How, at, when you're looking at this and things can't become official yet, right? And there's different permutations. How are you actually keeping yourself organized when it comes to potential sign and trades? And how are you how are you actually finding out? What is possible and what is not? What is actually something you can execute and what is not? Well, I mean, signing trades used to be a lot easier for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, when LeBron and Chris Bosch and that group went to Miami in 2010, the rules were different because they could have signed, they, they were signed and traded and they, were, they made basically the same amount of money that if they were signing with Cleveland or Toronto, their former teams, like they could get the full five years in the percentage increase. So they weren't leaving any money on the table. The other thing too, was that back then there was no hard cap, right? Like we, we've been talking about this hard cap, certainly when with the Kyrie Irving situation going on, like, well, how come the Lakers can't get them or how come the Clippers can't get them? Because what the league did was they tried to restrict player movement um, when it comes to sign in trades, whether it be, um, a, if you're in a sign and trade, it's basically you're almost going at the same number as you would be signing with a team in free agency. So you can't sign for five years. It's got to be four years. So it's less money. So you're basically leaving like $40, 50000000 million on the table to do a sign and trade. The hard cap was implemented here because it now it triggers things. Like they don't want, they don't want teams to keep on adding money here. So if you're a team like the Lakers, um, Let's say the hard cap is $157 million, 157, and you already got $155 million committed, yeah. right? You can't exceed that in a sign and trade. Okay. So it, it's, it gets a little complicated. I, I did like a YouTube video the other day and uh, trying to like explain. I went back to school <laughs> and did like a, a video. It was much the most, the craziest part of these videos is that like I try to make fun with, make it fun. And, um, I had basically my laptop on top of a garbage can because I didn't have a prompt <laughs> and I, and I had a whiteboard and I do this 20 minute video and it's confusing as heck. And then I'm just, I start, I start looking at the screen and you know, when you look at something, all the words are backwards, yeah. right? Like, yeah. when you look at, you know, the mirror, I'm like, I'm oh, like, gosh. I'm like, holy <laughs> crap. I just did this video. Well, here's the thing. And so I go, you know what? I got to do another video, blah, blah, blah. Fair enough. Like when you watch the video, it actually was normal, oh, okay. right? So I did the two, 
these two twenty these fifteen minute videos just explaining kind of the intricacies of the hard cap and and base year compensation and why it's going to be hard and you know certainly we're going to see like good example is going to be DeAndre Ayton in Phoenix right like so what happens with Ayton he's a restricted free agent the Suns have the right to match on um, any offer sheet the cap space is not there right we saw it with Kyrie there's not just there's you know it's Detroit well maybe not even Detroit anymore after this Knicks deal it's like Indiana and it's San Antonio it's um, does, um, Orlando does Memphis you know, have any like cap that. space Bobby well, they could, but it would cost them probably Tyus okay. Jones, no, okay. you know, so that's kind of a yeah, priority yeah. there. So like, so if you're eight and then you can't get the right offer um, from the Suns, you got to go find, you got to find a, a trade partner or you have to go find one of these teams that will sign you to an offer sheet and then have Phoenix match it, mm. right? Because they can't just lose them for nothing. So, I mean, and that's why, you know, going back to the conversation, like if agents are talking, like, yeah, yeah. you you have to, you can't just wait until june 30th at 6 p.m like okay yeah. let's go business, <laughs> business up because you're basically going to be everybody's going to be lapping yeah. you yeah. right around the around the field here and everything but how about bobby to get into one of the specific things you just mentioned Kyrie opting in Let, let's deal with this aspect of it first is there in your eyes is there any chance that he is still dealt in the aftermath of the opt-in I, it's hard. I think it's hard for me to see it in the off okay. season. Um, I think the only way I think things, if he's eventually moved is, is things go South in mm -hmm. Brooklyn during the season. Okay. I think, um, you know, if they get off to a bad start, I mean, cause what's going to happen is we kind of remove a little bit of the drama of what would have happened this week. I think, um, I think Armageddon was going to be coming to Brooklyn if Kyrie had um, opted yeah. out and then gone to the Lakers for $7 million. Right. Let's, you know, just play that scenario because I think, as we've said, like it, it starts a, a domino effect here. So now, if you're Kevin Durant right. and you're looking at, well, wait a minute, I came to Brooklyn in 2019 to win a championship. Kyrie is gone. I don't know what I got in Ben Simmons. Okay. Joe Harris is coming off an injury. Like, what else is here? So I think you would have probably, we would have heard the Durant talks as far as him maybe not being happy. I think what happens is, is, CC knows this, like, and when you're in the off season, like it's the honeymoon period, right? Like nobody's playing games. Yeah. Like you're not, you haven't lost six games yeah. in a row and you're not looking at your roster, but like, man, like I need another shooting guard here. So we are in this little bit of a honeymoon period, but I think what will happen is anytime a guy's on an all-stars on an expiring contract. And if your team's not playing well and you're struggling here and there's the risk of maybe losing him for nothing uh, as an unrestricted free agent, because the market will get considerably better next off season with teams that are going to have money to spend. Like it will be a lot, a lot better here. And so I don't think the cloud over Brooklyn has certainly been removed. I think it'll be interesting as far as what they do in free agency and how they keep on building, um, building this roster here. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think for, I think just for Kyrie, um, you know, whenever you have a guaranteed 36 and a half million dollars on the table, to go back to, I mean, it was a smart, I mean, it was a smart financial decision and they could always work out a deal during the year. Mm -hmm. He could always be extended during the year. There's no restricted restriction date on that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think down the road, that's probably a situation to watch. Probably not, probably not right now. I, I definitely think that they need to do some things in free agency to get better and get off to a good start. Like it's imperative that they yeah. get off to a good start. Cause if not, then you're just going to hear all the rumblings and, 
outside noise affects Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? More than any other team. Whether it's KD tweeting back at the new media, you know what I'm saying? Whoever in the media. Oh, I saw Ky- Kyrie, Kyrie with Stephen A, right? Things, yeah. Oh, so Every- all of those things affect them. So they need to get off to a good basketball start so that they don't hear that shit and then they can just go out and play and then they'll be fine. But if they get off to a rough start, I think it's going to be a it's going to be tough in Brooklyn, man. I think I think those, a lot of those guys are going to be moving by the All-Star break if if uh I know. if they don't get off to a good start. You know, it's funny like, you know, if you look at 2019 and if you had the opportunity to sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, every all 30 GMs and not give up anything right. for them, every GM would have raised their hand and said, "I will do yeah. it here." Now, you know, with that comes, you know, with the expectations, probably a little more maintenance here. And there's times when I'm thinking like, man, I wonder if Sean Marks, their general manager, like is, is watching TV at night and thinking, Karis LeVert, Man, Jared I was Allen. just thinking that. So you know what? Uh, 43 wins. Some, much easier life. <laughs> I could sleep a lot better. You know? Like that. But it's hard. I mean. Because roster building is hard. I mean, it's one thing to go out and make a trade and go out and sign a player, but it's the maintenance of it, right? It's like the main, like I always say, like the head coach, it's, it's you know, 30, 40% of their job is X's and O's. The other part is managing personalities. Like, 15, 15 different personalities. Yeah. yeah. Bobby, it's so, there's two, there's two things I want to ask you about that. Like, one is a more evergreen sort of general thing about, about how you balance that organizational control with stars. But before I get to that, because C just brought it up free agency wise, uh, you know, roster configuration wise, assuming now Kyrie and KD are going to be back at least to give it a go the first half of the season and see how things go. Right. Is there anything out there right now for Brooklyn that you see as serious augmentation to the roster? Because it does feel like it feels like there's there's not going to be a, oh, let's just run it back and be healthy. It feels like some things are going to happen with the roster, but I don't know what those are. Is there anything on the table for you that you think, okay, that's a target or this is an area where they should be going to to try and you know help service those stars? I think there's going to be a shift in philosophy where we saw last year they signed more of the older veterans to some of these you know smaller contracts, whether it be Blake, LaMarcus Aldridge, James Johnson, DeAndre Bembry, Javon, like there's a, there was a list of them here. I think, you know, certainly the priority will be Nick Claxton, who's a restricted free agent. Um, We'll see what happens with Bruce Brown. Um, We're still, um, we're taping this on Wednesday. We'll have a decision on Patty Mills, who's got a player option. Mm -hmm. So that's your focus for those three guys, right? And then it's a matter of like, all right, we've got um, the $6.5 million tax mid-level. Who can we go out and get with that? Um, we've got these trade exceptions for 11 and $6 million. Who can we target in a trade? Um, not a free agent, but a player under contract. And then the other thing is, is that are the you, when you did the Harden trade back in February, you got two first-round picks, one in 2023, the other in 2027. Are those picks expendable? knowing that there might be a little bit of uncertainty down the road when with Irving and maybe Durant. So I think those will all be certainly um, factors as far as how they, you know, build out the roster here. I think the other thing will be interesting too, is like, I think a year ago and two years ago, Brooklyn, I think was probably a little bit more of a destination for free Mm -hmm. agents. I think, you know, when you have a lot of drama Mm -hmm. and there's a lot going on here, you know, and you're looking at, you know what, I can go, um, Brooklyn, Golden State, Milwaukee, 
um, the Clippers, right? They all have the same amount of money that they can offer me. Where am I going to go? Can I just go play with Giannis right. in Milwaukee? I, there's not much drama there. You know, can I go to Golden State? There's not much drama there unless, you know, you consider Draymond yeah. drama, but that's basically outside of the, I mean, there's, Hey, we just won a championship. I'm going to go take $2 million compared to Brooklyn for $2 million. And we saw a little, um, you know, you know, when Blake went there and LaMarcus and then the buyout, like Brooklyn was a destination. And I think it's still, I think on paper, they're starting five. I'll roll out that starting five against anybody mm -hmm. on paper, right? Yep. Like give me those five. I don't know what it looks like playing wise, but nowadays, like, I, I think it will be interesting because Brooklyn and the Lakers and the Clippers, all there's like 10 or 11 teams are basically going to be competing for the same type of players. And when the dust settles in a week or two weeks, I'm interested to see kind of who they who they sign. You know, that that to me, Bobby, has been an underrated part of this. Like last year. Right. Like you had KD actively recruiting, right? Like you and you and you felt like they were on the brink of a title. And so it helps get Patty Mills. If they were sort of removed, then all of a sudden you don't necessarily have the same probably recruiting effort plus feeling from the free agent. And see, I actually thought about you because I thought about now you, you were a different case because you were, you know, a free agent who was about to set records for, you know, largest contract ever for a pitcher, et cetera, when you were a free agent in 08. But what was important to you? You wanted to make sure that the 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 clubhouse in, with the Yankees, which had been off talked about, wasn't as messy as it seemed to be, right? Like that was a priority for you. Oh yeah, it was always, it was just all about like the least drama as possible. You know what I'm saying? So out of all those places that, that Bobby just named, I mean, I'm going with the least amount of drama. So that's probably Milwaukee. You know what I'm saying? The least amount of uh, media coverage, like all of that stuff. And I can get the same amount of money and, and play with, you know, a, a guy instead of a, ch a chance to win the championship. That's where I'm going. And how about, I have a question, CC, for you. Like, what, like, so if you're going through this recruiting process, you're an NBA player and LeBron calls you, AD calls you, Giannis calls you, um, Paul George, Kawhi, they call you, say, hey, like, we only got $2 million, but this is what our, this is what we can be. We, we add you, I think we can get to an NBA finals here, or you get nothing, right? No call from Durant, no call for Irving. It's basically the general manager who's, who is communicating through your agent? Like, how much does that play into effect? Oh, also? that's huge. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're getting personal calls from players, like you feel like you're wanted. You know what I'm saying? So that I mean, other than you know, if it's LeBron calling, or like you said, if it's Paul George calling, or like how the guys pulled up in KD in the Hamptons. You know what I'm saying? Like you feel, you feel <laughs> like you, you know, you feel like you want to be a part of that team. So yeah, I mean, that makes a huge, huge difference. That that's one thing I've thought about as far as their situation goes and, and you know, how it are those guys happen. is KD not out actively recruiting right now, or is that, I don't, I think it's a lot different than it was a year ago when you're out recruiting Patty Mills or you're out recruiting, um, you know, two years ago, as far Aldridge, as guys that, to be honest, like guys that I have relationships with, right? Like say if I was an NBA player and you know, me and Adam Jones are real close and I'm like, yo, yep. Adam, come play with me in Brooklyn, but I don't know if I'm going to be here in six months. You know, I wouldn't even put him through that <laughs> well, or his yeah. family through that. Well, yeah. So or, I wouldn't even call him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't call my close friends to come play with me in a place where I know if I didn't know where, you know, that I was certain to be here the next couple of years. Well, and the other thing is, too, is like, you know, especially if you have a family and you're going there thinking like, well, wait a minute, like, 
I'll, I'll be there until December 15th when you, you're then you're eligible to be traded. Like, am I going to be trade? Am I going to be part of one of these packages? Mm-hmm. Like, like you just, I think the stability, I mean, you, and anybody can be traded anywhere, but I think the stability factor is, I think it's got some, you know, certainly some cracks yeah, in it. That, that all makes a lot of sense. Bobby, just to, uh, put a bow on the Brooklyn thing because you're talking about, by the way, my daughter, Evie, as you may be able to hear, she's, oh, she's fine. very excited about the NBA free agency starting as you can hear. She's, <laughs> she is all about it. Right. Evie. Yeah. Um, I, uh, this is her first free agency. So understandably. So I, uh, my question is this, just put a bow on it, Bob, because you talked about the, like using the 23 or 27 picks from Philly, right? Which I don't think have any protections on them. Do they? The, the, um, the later pick is protected. I think, like top seven, the one next year is unprotected. Yeah. So like if Embiid got hurt and the Philly thing blows up, it could be a great pick. If they're all healthy, obviously it wouldn't be that high. But the way I look at it is I'm like, look, like if I'm the net, I'm using any draft capital I can at this point to augment around those stars, because if it doesn't work, I, I have Kevin Durant under contract for four years. I can go get back any draft capital I want in theory that I'm going to deal at this point, right. And without bottoming out because he, he gives you back that kind of a haul. Like if you're, if you're all of a sudden at the deadline and your team's five games under 500 and it's an internal mess again. And you're like, look, look, you can trade Durant and Kyrie, maybe even Simmons. And you could probably build a team that's still, you know, competing for the playoffs. And then also as the draft capital, do you think I'm thinking about that? in the right way. No, you're yeah. right. I be no, you're, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of similar, but you know, certainly uh, LeBron and AD are probably not going to be traded where if you're the Lakers, you're thinking, well, Hey, I've got these two guys in their prime. I mean, you know, prime of their career, my window to compete for a championship is now, what does a 2027 and the 2029 first round right. pick mean? Yeah. Right. Like, so if you're Brooklyn, like I always like, I, I saw, I was getting texts and people that are thinking, you're like, do you think the Nets will let Katie walk away? Walk for nothing, and I'm thinking like, walk for nothing. The guy's under contract four years, four years 190, 70 million. Like he would, if you ever put him on the market in a trade, like say Kevin Durant is now available to be traded, you would have. Well, I, I'm not going to say that. I was going to say 29 teams, but I would say like you'd be better off moving to Seattle or Vegas if you ever traded him to the Knicks. <laughs> like, <laughs> true, true. So I'll remove. I know Knicks fans true. are going to be mad at me, but yeah. like, hey, I worked in New yeah. Jersey. I get it being the little brother to the yeah. big brother here. Like I, like you, I, I get it here. So if like, you ever put KD on the market, and you knew you were getting him for four years, like Sacramento, Minnesota, right? Like all these teams that would never be able. He doesn't have a no trade clause. Um, you would be able to get a you would be able to get a um, a haul as far as um, what you can get back. Wait, he doesn't have a no trade clause, KD? He doesn't. No, the rules in the NBA are really it, there's nobody in the NBA that has a no trade clause. You've got to be in the uh, league for eight years and with the same team for four. Hmm. So and then like so example like Bradley Beal. Um, I believe it will, he will opt out and sign a, a big, a, probably a big contract with the Wizards. Um, we'll, we'll be eligible to put a no trade clause in his contract. Yeah, we'll see if that happens. He should be smart to do it. Um, I think if you have the ability and you're a marquee guy, I think you, I think you almost have to because then you can. It's almost like you know baseball, where if you right, you can give like you have six teams put in your contract as far as where you can, um, you know, you can be traded. Baseball so. is ten and five. Two yeah. years, five with the same team. Yeah. Right. And then you automatically sort of have that it's, it's, list, it's, right? It's in there. Yeah. yeah it's automatic. Yeah. 
which is which is it's just crazy. Yeah, the only the only the one thing like so if you have a guy like so if Kyrie had opted out and then signed back in Brooklyn for a mm-hmm. year, he would have had it wouldn't have been an official no trade clause, but because he was signing a one year contract, he could have had veto power on any deal. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. Bobby, how do you keep all these rules straight? How do how do you <laughs> uh, I don't know. How, how do you have you just go through you just go through so many different things. Like you just go through so many different situations, like, you know, been doing this since 1995 and you just go through different scenarios. And I, you know, like, I don't, like, I don't have a researcher, so I just kind of do my own, all my own stuff. And, um, you know, so yeah, I just kind of, you know, and the rules are going to, they're going to change again in a year. Yeah. I mean, they've, they change basically every, every four years. Luckily the, um, it's been kind of an amendment to the CBA, like um, the CBA that came into effect in 2011 was basically a new version. It was basically like reading a new chapter when it, when the CBA was amended in 2017, it was really just tweaked when we added like the supermax and some other, some other new rules. And I think the next CBA um, will be basically, um, you know, a little bit of a tweak here. I don't think we'll have an overhaul here, but like, you know, 2011, when we got this new CBA, it was like, we had the lockout and the lockout got lifted. We were, you know, locked out from July, locked the players out from July one. And then it got resolved right around Thanksgiving. They basically gave teams a week to learn the CBA Mm -hmm. before free agency started to the point where like, you didn't like the hard cap. I, you know, you didn't, we like, for us in, in New Jersey, like we were always a team that really didn't spend money. The hard cap didn't impact us. And, and Ryan could relate to this. Like, so in 2012, when Darren Williams resigned and we traded for Joe Johnson and Gerald Wallace and all these guys. So we went from a team that was under the salary cap. Now we're a luxury tax team, right? So now your restrict, your exceptions are limited. So now you don't have the full uh, $8 million exception. Now you have a smaller exception here. So if you use the full one, then it triggers the hard cap here. So I remember we, Darren Williams had committed to us. I, I, I remember, cause I was basically the only one in the building. I'm sitting in East Rutherford in my office. It's like 4th of July. He commits to us and Billy King calls me and he says, all right, we got Darren and we're going to commit to Mirza Toledovic for the full mid-level exception. Um, whatever, four years, $30 million. Right great. Got a shooter, small power forward. Right. So I'm sitting there like 10 minutes later and I'm thinking like, holy shit, <laughs> we can't cause it would trigger the hard cap and it would basically lose us like Chris Humphreys. It would basically lose us like four yeah. players. So now I, I got to call the NBA, call the legal department. And I said like, Hey, um, I think I know the answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, yeah, like you can sign him, but this is what will happen. And uh, I remember calling Billy. It was like, the, I basically, it was like basically calling like your wife after you just got in like a fight with her. Like <laughs> you're just sitting there thinking like, all right, like, like, well, like, well, the situation go away. Well, like, just, like, like, all right. How do I, how do I phrase this? And then finally I said to him, Billy, um, we got an issue. Um, we can only offer Mears a three, three years, 10 million and not three years, whatever, 30 oh. million. He's like, well, why? And I was like, well, the hard, the hard cap. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah, it's in the new CBA, but we never, it was such a crash course that we never thought we would ever be in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was like, I don't know how it got resolved. Yeah. I'll leave it yeah. there for, for that. But, <laughs> somehow it did. But, um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so you're just, you're constantly just, 
you know, you're constantly just learning um, and then trying to do this while you're doing TV and use a touch screen like the weatherman yeah. <laughs> and explain. And like, for me, it's always been like, I remember with talking with our producers here is like, you got it. You can't just say tax mid-level exception. People at home have no idea what the tax mid-level right. exception is. You can't just say the hard cap. You got to explain it in like 20 seconds as far as to simplify things where someone wants to come back and watch, you know, maybe how the money works and all that. You know, it's funny because one of the terms you brought up, Bobby, was trade exceptions. And you, when you're talking about what the Nets yeah. can use and and I actually just wanted to ask you, because I'm sure fans right now are hearing that term. And even for me, someone who's intimately involved with the NBA, obviously, and also I have a, a, a CBA background, so to speak, because my father worked for the NFL league office for 34 years and that's what he did, you know, like, and he was, you know, one of the crafters of the cap. And even me, when it comes to trade exceptions, I'm like, wait, I don't fully grasp it. So can you, can you give us all sort of a crash course on how trade exceptions can be used? Yeah. I mean, it's basically like, it's, it's a trade chip, right? Like just consider it like, um, so if you trade, let's say, um, if you trade a team, if you're the, uh, if you're a team that has a $17 million play, okay. And you trade him to a team that has salary cap space. Okay. You're not taking back right. salary. Now you got a trade exception of 17 that million. That you can exceed the cap with. That you can exceed the cap with. You have it for a whole year. However, trade exceptions, you're not allowed to acquire a player and assign and trade that you are going to exceed the hard cap. So, for example, the Celtics, right? They did the um, Evan Fournier last year to New York and a sign-in trade, right? The Knicks could have just signed him outright, but they wanted to create this trade exception. So Boston's got this $17 million trade exception that they're sitting on right now. They're right at the hard cap. It hasn't been triggered, but they can't go out and get Tyus Jones from the Grizzlies in a sign-in trade. Because it would trigger the hard cap? Because it would, it would trigger the hard cap. So basically, how the best way to look at it is it's basically kind of the difference in salary on how the trade exception is created. So if you're trading a $17 million guy for a $6 million guy, or let's say a $17 million guy for a $13 million guy, and it, and it works, you're basically going to create a trade exception of like $4 million. Gotcha. So it's there's only like 30 of them that are, um, that are available here in the NBA. Like the Nets have a trade exception of 11 million from the Dinwiddie trade to the Wizards. Um, and that when he went there last year, because the Nets didn't take any salary back. So basically, it's the it's that. But it can't. But it can't exceed the hard cap. It can't. You can. Well, if you can, if it's a player that's already under contract. So if Brooklyn wants to go out and 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 trade for Terrence Ross, who plays in Orlando and is under contract, um, they can go out and trade okay. for him. Okay. You cannot acquire a free okay. agent and assign and trade because then the hard cap triggers. Got you. Okay. And then you can't okay. exceed gotcha. it. That, yeah. that makes sense. How about that Bobby? Does the do, are the trade exemptions also exempt from luxury tax implications? Like if I'm already a luxury tax team and I acquire Terrence Ross, am I still going to be paying, you know, three, three to one or depending on where I am in the taxpayer? Okay. Gotcha. Fold up. Like that's what Golden, Golden State went through that. Um, the year that Clay um, got hurt the second time is that, um, he, you know, we all thought that, you know, what's Golden State doing? They had a trade exception, I think, of like $15 million. And they went out and got Kelly Oubre, 
who was under contract already in Phoenix. And it, they just, like, it cost them like $80 million for one guy for one season here because he was already under contract under if Uber was a free agent, they wouldn't have been able to go out and do a, you know, a deal like so that. This is what's so fascinating to me guys. Like, so that conversation, right? If you, Bobby, if you're, if you're in the front office and you're having that conversation with your owners, right? Where you're like, look, Kelly Oubre clearly is not an $80 million player, but he might be critical for us achieving what we want to achieve. And we've already sunk in this amount of money, right? Like there are so many teams, the Warriors have been willing to pay whatever, but, but is, I mean, not to keep bringing it back to the, to the nets is, you know, is, is Joe Sai? Are you, are you going to go to him and say, Hey, Joe, we want to use this cap exemption for Terrence Ross, but instead of it costing us, I'm just making up a number 11 million. It's going to cost us 33. You know, like how do you have those conversations, Bobby, where like, do you actually say, look, cause it's not your money. It's theirs. Right. But, but it's like, look with our restrictions and rules, if we're all in on this, we have to be all into the point of, it doesn't matter if our tax bill is 200 or 100 million. Like if we want to build this roster, like what are those conversations like between front office and ownership when it comes to, to that kind of mindset of like, are we all in on this or are we not? Well, how about, and you also got swept in the first round. Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So, so we, you know, the conversation is so in, in 2013, uh, when Jason Kidd was our head coach, um, that was the year with Pierce and Garnett and that group there. And we had started that we started playing a lot better after the, um, after the, um, Christmas, it was when Brooke Lopez had broke his foot and we wound up putting Garnett at center and Jason did a really good job. And so we're playing really good basketball. We had a trade. We're in a luxury tax. We had a trade exception of worth like $8 million. And there was a deal that we could have acquired Jordan Hill, who played, I think for the Lakers at the time, power forward here. And so you look at it and, and this is when you really get the coach involved and you say, Hey, we got to have a deal to go out and get Jordan Hill. It's going to cost us another $40 million for the next 33 months of the season. <laughs> ownership has already signed off on it because what ownership is going to say is like, Hey, if it can help your team and most, Hey, is it going to help your team? Great. Go ahead and do it. But there's a, but to it, right. When that guy's not playing or when like you lose, mm-hmm. like, well, then like, yeah, Hey, so we said to Jason, like, we can go out and do this. What do you, and he said to us, like, I don't know how much I can play. I, mean, I don't know how much he's going to play. I don't know how much, how many minutes I can give him. He's a great luxury for us. He's not a priority here. He could probably play in the playoffs and we can do some things here. But so then you think, and then you meet and you'd be like, well, how do you go back to ownership saying like, you know, we talked to the coach and, you know, there's no guarantee that, you know, your $40 million that you're going to spend is going to be a good investment here. Um, that's, that's a, that's a hard conversation. I think you just have to be yeah. honest. And I think that's where you bring, you know, that's where you bring, uh, you know, certainly the coach in, into the, uh, into it. How, how about Bobby? What is, if you could think of like, is there any one particular story about this time of year that stands out most? If I, t- if I ask you for a scenario where you thought for sure you had a player coming <laughs> and then all of a sudden you didn't like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. So 2010, this is the first year that the, um, the, the Russian ownership group wrote to bought yeah. the team. And so LeBron, um, Bosch, Wade, that free agent group, um, Amari Stoudemire, yeah. uh, Joe Johnson, Carlos Boozer. And, um, so we have like, 
so they go to Cleveland to do their visits, right? LeBron, we were even first. Like we had, we like this is when like iPads had just first come out, <laughs> right? We got this, we got like these iPad, it's loaded up, and how you can become the first billionaire athlete and yeah, all didn't these Jay-Z things. Did Jay Z go for like, that pitch too? Yeah, yeah, you could be like, you could be like um um Roger Federer and Tiger <laughs> and all these things. So we go out there and like we um we meet with and I'm in, in our office and I've got like these whiteboards, right? And I've got all these names up of free agents here. I'm like basically like sitting in the control tower trying to land the planes, <laughs> right? So um so they meet with um they meet with LeBron and like they call and like she's like oh shit like shit I think I think we got a chance here. I'm like really <laughs> Yeah, we might need to clear money to get Bosch or Wade and stuff like that. So then you start moving things, right? Like, okay, I can move Chris Humphreys, blah, 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 all these different scenarios. How do I get, you know, 30 million back then was a lot of money. Um, How do I get the 45 million to get these two guys? And you start going through it and you start thinking about it. And then you go to, they met with the the, uh, Dwayne and and Chris in um, Chicago. Both guys were late for the meeting. Uh, <laughs> one of one of them had like a T. I think Chris had like a um, who was filming like a reality show, and then you're thinking like, oh my god, this is not real. Like we have no chance here, right? But the but the problem is, is that, and this is when you have new ownership here. Is that so? All right, LeBron commits, wipe him off. Bosch commits, wipe him off. Um, Amari goes to New York, wipe him off. Um, Dwayne stays home, wipe him off. So now you're like looking at. Holy God, we got all this money. What are we going to do? And so Carlos Boozer, who, good player, Rob Palinka represented him. And at the time, and um, Rob calls me and he's like, I think you can get Boozer. Five for 85. And that's pretty rich back then. mm -hmm. A rich contract. And um, this is before we had gone. Um, this is before Dan, yeah. you know, we were, we were not yeah. very good. Yeah. Right. Like this, like we're playing in Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> like, I don't know about Carlos Boozer being, but, but then you're, but you know, all the ownerships are looking like all-stars. So five for 85, but Carlos wants you to come to Florida and meet with him. He's talking to me. I'm like, shit, I'm the cap guy. Like I wouldn't talk. I don't know. Who, you know, I know Carlos Boozer. He doesn't know who I am and stuff like that. So I said, you know, Rod Thorne, who was our president, said, we can get Boozer, blah, blah, blah. I think five for 85. Ownership signs off on it. Boozer goes to Chicago for like five for 70. I was so pissed. Like, I was so pissed. And, you know, they had a better team. And I called Rob. I was like, I was like, uncharacteristic. I probably said some choice. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was so pissed. And then what happens is, is, and this is just going through the experience here. Then you just panic. Right. So then you just go out and spend money on guys. I always say the, um, I call them the law firm of Farmar outlaw, outlaw <laughs> Petro, um, could have been Tyrus <sighs> Thomas part of that group. And you just spent, you're breaking up the money. You're signing guys for three years, 24 million, two years, 10 million. You know, it's like basically just kind of balancing a, a checkbook here. And I think that's where you get care. You got to be careful when you miss out on guys that you think are going to get. I mean, we almost had, we almost had Tyrus Thomas who was in Charlotte for like four for 40, which was a lot of money yeah. then. And we went out to lunch and we came back and his agent had called me. He's like, he's going to go back to Charlotte. And I was like, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so interesting, Bobby. This is, that's one of the reasons, see, I feel like we've maybe talked about this at some points, but why I feel like the floor structure could be different when it comes to 
the NBA salary cap. And I don't know what it was at that time, Bobby, but like, you know, having to hit a certain floor, right. But whereas the NFL does it over a, a longer period of time and you can carry over the cap space you haven't used in different years. The NBA is a more confined period of time. So it's like you're forced to spend money on players that you otherwise maybe wouldn't want to spend money. And then it could restrict you moving forward in your ability to get better because yeah, you did have to go spend that money on Tyrus Thomas or Carlos Boozer or whoever it might be. Well, I mean, Oklahoma city is a great example. I mean, CC would be appreciate this because they are, so they're, you have to spend 90% of the salary cap in the NBA. So for the thunder, they didn't reach the floor this year. They're about 20, I don't even know, $20 million below the floor. And what happens to that money is it gets divided amongst the players. on oh, your roster. Nice. So they're all getting like a $2 million, you know, like a 1.5 to $2 million bonus for not reaching the floor. So you're right. I mean, once, once the calendar year flips, like it just starts again. Yeah. Right. So that money, the savings doesn't carry over to the following Man, year. That's, that, that is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, CC yeah. coming back he, as a power forward. That's it. Yeah. He's made his decision. Could you, could you imagine the A's have having to like divvy up that money if you had a floor? They got a twenty million dollar. <laughs> they got a twenty million dollar well, roster. You, they got to uh, give could, eighty could, million dollars to the rest ma- of their players. <laughs> could you imagine if you're in that Oklahoma City roster and like Sam Presti, their their general manager, comes at the at, right at the trade deadline and is like. Yeah, we're going to go out and sign a $20 million guy. <laughs> There'd be like a revolt there, right? As far as like, you know, this money that's oh now Oh my large. gosh. Bobby, there's um there's so many things we could ask you. Just uh, real, real quick, uh, um, uh, just uh, one or two more before we let you let you run here. And thank you for giving us all this time at a busy, busy time for you, obviously. Um, Jalen Brunson, it, it, it looks, you know, yeah. we're recording this, uh, you know, Wednesday around, uh, you know, the early afternoon. And um, obviously, Thursday at 6 p.m., things can become official. It looks like he's going to go to the Knicks, right? They cleared all this space. His dad's an assistant there. It looks like somewhere around like four years and 110 million are the numbers being talked about. You can keep yeah. on his Leon's his former yeah, agent, right? Leon's son. Leon's 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 like, we, can, yeah. we can keep on yeah, going. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all it's all connected. <laughs> what do you now? Look, this is a winning type dude, right? Like, and he yeah. and he balled out in the playoffs too when he was asked to carry a load. Um, yeah. What What do you? Th- I mean, what do you think about that? Like, because I don't think anybody was thinking of him in this stratosphere financially. But what do you think about just the move to bring him in and and sort of his value? Yeah, I mean, I mean, and CC knows it's like you know we could put numbers at guys, but the market dictates yeah. what you are. I mean, I could say all I, I, we, I could say that Jalen's a $20 million guy and he should be getting paid like Fred Van Vliet in Toronto, right? Four for 85. But as you know, all it takes is one team and the market dictates it. So for, if you're in New York and your goal was to kind of build this roster, I mean, you've done it a little bit through the draft and then go out and add a big free agent here. And then it's just not a great class overall. I think the center position is a little more deep. Point guards are not. Jalen, basically Tyus Jones and um, in Memphis as your probably your your two core guys, then go out and if it, if it's going to cost you twenty seven and you had budgeted twenty four, what's another three million dollars, right? And like like he's a heck of a player. I mean, he's fearless. He's tough. He'll be great in New York. I mean, these people will love him. I think everyone will look at like, oh my god, four years, one hundred ten million dollars, like. Once you start playing and you're winning games, like that contract doesn't mean anything, right? Like that just goes, I mean, if you're struggling, then you're like, oh my God, we're stuck with this, you know? So I think, I think for New York, 
I think he's a heck of a player. I think certainly that's a position of need. You still have RJ and, and Julius. I think Mitchell Robinson likely probably comes back, I would say. Still have your younger players with Quickly and, and Obi. Um, I think the interesting thing we hear is, and this is kind of like a little bit of a salary cap detail, like the Knicks can go into this where they'd have to have the Mavericks agree to do a sign and trade with Brunson to New York. And basically the Knicks can op operate as a team over the salary cap, right? It would basically be tied into the players that are going to the Pistons, Noel and Burks. So they can basically act as a team over the salary cap. And what that would do is that could preserve them. One of these bigger uh, um, mid-level exceptions, they can go out and get a 10 and a half million dollar guy to add with, um, with Brunson. I think that, you know, the, the Mavericks would have to cooperate. I don't know if we're at that point. I don't know if Mark Cuban's going to want to cooperate right now as far as, but they would get, they would get a trade exception out of it. So we were talked about that earlier. Like now they create a trade exception that they would have available to use for a whole year. So I think it's a good deal for um, Brunson. I think it's a good deal from New York. I know they got crushed uh, during the draft as far as them moving out of 11. Um, for me, it was always like, all right, let's wait. Yeah. Like, let's see what the next, it's always a next move to things. Like, I mean, I, we're so like reactionary to things. And I think, you know, for me, I, I, I did Scott Van Pelt that night and I just said like, Hey, we, you know, we did see teams build their rosters more organically in golden state and, um, in Boston through the draft here, but trust me, man, like it's hard. Yeah. It's like you, you just run out of patience sometimes. Like sometimes you got to like, you know, you got to be a little more aggressive. You can't, you know, you're not going to hit on all your draft picks. You're not going to hit on Steph Curry and clay and Draymond and have pool develop or Tatum and Brown and all those, those guys there. So, um, so I under, I understand it here because as you said, like, it's not like, you know, 26 million is going to carry over to next year. Now you're going to have, you know, 52 million and it doubles here. So um, I think it's, I think it's a, it's a good move for New York. It's costly. Um, but I do think he fits kind of, I think he fits Tibbs to, yeah. to a T. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a, I mean, he's a, I think it'll be interesting taking him away from Luca and kind of, and, but we saw him play in that Utah series, the first, whatever, three games without Luca, man, he was, you know, he was one of the best players on, on the court here. So, um, so I, I, I get it. I understand as far as, um, what New York, uh, what New York is doing. All right, Bobby, we'll get you out of here on this, this time of year, you have carved out, I think your own unique place in sports television. You know, you're sort of one of one in what you do and what you can bring to the table and actually see, I feel like one of Bobby's first media appearances after he left the nets, he did a couple shows with me at ESPN radio. I think that was right. That was where like you and you, you and uh, Ian. Yes. Yes. And, and uh, that's right. You were doing shows with Ian too. And we were like, Oh wait, this guy is like really good at media. Like this is gonna, <laughs> this is gonna work out, but it's awesome. And for me, I love it as a, as a viewer. Cause it's, it, it, it it's just like something you can only get from your perspective. How, Bobby, how about just like your enjoyment this time of year, doing what you do now on TV versus what it was like being in a front office at this time of year. Oh, man. Well, I, well, I was going to say I sleep a lot better, but, man, I'm not sleeping <laughs> a lot right now. So. <laughs> I'll sleep well. I, I mean, I love this time of year and being in the front office, you know, especially the draft. It's like uh, kind of like working on Wall Street as far as all the action. But I can get the same rush, I guess, work doing the draft at ESPN or doing free agency during the whole day here. Um, you do miss the team mm -hmm. part of it, right? Like, you know, as CC can say, like being in a locker room, being part of a front, being part of 
you're building something, right? Like you're just part of like the camaraderie where you're, you're a little bit more of like, kind of like an independent contractor yeah. to say, like I will, and um, it's, you know, funny every year, every year I've been doing it, like you kind of go through a little bit of a with withdrawal when I get home it's, and it's an adjustment period where like, you haven't seen your wife for three weeks. You haven't seen your kids for two weeks. You've, you've done such this routine where I'm waking up at 5 a.m. I'm here till 1230, right? I'm basically doing TV. I'm writing and stuff like where you're, I'm blocking out the real world of everything, mm-hmm. right? Which I can do, but when I get home and it'd be like, okay, can you go to Publix and do food shopping? What? Like, what? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, like we got to go to my mom's for dinner tonight. What? You know, like, so you, you just have to get back to like, so you got to get back to planet earth. But I mean, I love, um, I love what I do. I do. I mean, I think I've, I've gotten better. Like I don't read social media anymore. I try Smart. not to, like, I don't read Smart comments. Man. I know I don't read, I don't read comments. I don't read, like, I try not to interact with that many people here. Um, you know, like I, I, I think TV wise, it's, you know, certainly just kind of always, you just get better. Like I always say, like, try to, um, you know, use the an analogy of like a, like an athlete, like, like I'm going to go on TV and 30 minutes here and it might be the first time somebody's ever watched me do TV. Pretty cool. So I got to be like my a game, right? Like, I don't care if I'm talking about the Knicks for the sixth yeah. time or like, and then I always say like, dude, like, I never, tur- I try never to turn down anything request wise, because like, I'll never, I never know. I've, I'll never be asked back again. So like, I will try to do, I'll be as accommodating and everything, but I do, I do love this time of year. I love going out to summer league and, you know, seeing all the guys I used to work with and all the different teams and stuff like that. But I don't have to worry about a guy yeah. getting injured or, or, or our summer league team. Oh, and six. And our, our president's like, man, these guys, you draft, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so there is a, there is an outlet uh, to that. Yeah, Bobby, no, that's great. <laughs> uh, this is, we, we so appreciate the time, man. Like, as I mean, you see, and I, in addition to, you know, me working in the sport, we're just such big hoops fans. And so to get to talk with you uh, on this particular day is just awesome for us. Not to mention, I just love seeing your success, man. Congrats on your new contract as well. Well Thank deserved. Um, and uh, and good luck surviving and sleeping over the next few days, man. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having yeah, me you on. You got it, Bobby. Thank you, man. You know what's funny? See, Bobby was talking about the rush this time of year. And uh, kind of that feeling of, you know, having some of that, even though he's on TV versus being in the front office. And it, it's, you know, I love to comp things to me and my feelings and my career. And they, it kind of like, that's what I equate it to. Like when I do, like there, even though, even though I, I didn't play baseball past the time I was, you know, 22 or 23, like there's always a part of you that when you grow up and sports are everything for you and an athlete, there's always a part of you that like misses that, like, being part of a team, right? Like part of the reason I love doing Nets and Yankees games is because you feel like you're a part of the team, right? Which is a little different than how it feels when you're just doing national games. And so I get that, like I get that yearning and I also get like how he could miss that not being a part of that. But what you do have is you have the performance high. Like it's the same feeling I had acting in plays when I was a kid. I get it after calling a big game and it's like, it's a drug, you know, it really is. It's something you're addicted to something I love about doing play by play. And it's interesting to hear how like, kind of like from being in the front office, like to now he can still get that feeling. 
but without the stakes of what happens if like, there's no, there's no losing for him. Right. It's just kind of like, he's just gotta like, you know, enjoy that high without, like you said, worrying about like, Oh, do we draft the right player? Do we sign the right guy? No, he said that at the end. And I was like, yeah, that's the right thing to say. Like for me, it's, it's the reverse. Like I, I needed to get away from being on the team. Like I was, you know, I'm tired of being around the same guys for eight months every day. You know what I'm saying? My whole summer. So yeah, for me, it was, it was, you know, um, wanting that, that freedom of being away from, you know, the team and, and all of that stuff for the last 25 years of my life. So, um, I understand both sides of it, but I think, you know, he said the best thing is when he was like, you know, I get a chance to still be in it and, and not, you know, live or die with it. And I feel like I'm getting close to that with the, I mean, with the Yankees, I still live and die with all the wins and losses because, you know, those are my little brothers in there. I think as, you know, time goes on and I know less and less guys in that clubhouse, I won't be as attached to that team. You know what I'm saying? Mm So, um, yeah, but right now I'm still in it, but I I don't, I don't, I don't have to go down there every day. I got my little pass. I can check in when I want and I, you know, I can leave, I can leave in the fourth inning. So it's good. Who's the guy. Is there one guy more than any other on that team that you like, your heart will be so warm that they want to ring. I know you're going to feel great for a million people, but is there one particular guy that you're like going to feel like, man, I am so happy. Let's say the 2022 Yankees win a championship that you would say like, man, I am so happy that this dude has a ring. Um, Man, I can't think of just one person. It's, it's going to be all of them. I think for me, for me, it would be, hmm. I guess Monty and Sevy. Yeah. You know, Sevy, Sevy, all the stuff that he went through, you know, getting back and, you know, being so highly touted when he was young and, you know, coming up and wanting to be the ace. And now if he's able to get it done, if they're able to get, if they're able to win, it's because it's going to be because he pitched really well. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, it, that it'll be cool to see him come back and, and win a win, win, win a ring. Hey, I uh, I hope it happens, man. This has been a <laughs> magical season thus far. We're pumped for this time of year with free agency. Seeing and I will be back next week to be able to react to it all um, and, uh, and also, uh, you know, get ready for the midway point of uh, this baseball season as well. You guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday. Uh, bonus episodes as well. You guys can uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at R2C2. Make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube page. Get the full episodes up there for free. Just subscribe to us. And, um, and you know, make sure you're uh, subscribed to us and, and downloading wherever you get your podcasts. See, we'll do it again next week, my friend. Yes, sir. All right, peace, everybody. Peace. <laughs>